Hello everyone, um, Mike Forsyth here and welcome to your latest CPD opportunity from Returns Play, this time um, as is the 21st century way via the medium of a podcast. Um, as you will all no doubt be aware, it's been a really busy start to the, to the school year when it comes to concussions, so thank you for all of your continued hard work. Um, one of the themes that has emerged from this half term has been the difficulty and uncertainty in terms of making an initial diagnosis, no doubt due in no small part to frequently vague, non-specific symptoms and on occasion, uh, a limited patient history. With that in mind, um, I'm joined today by Sam, um, Dr. Sam Bark, Head of Returns Play, who's kindly agreed to discuss some of these issues and provide some pearls of wisdom to help us navigate some of the less clear-cut clinical scenarios. So Sam, thanks for agreeing to be questioned. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for encouraging me to do so. Fantastic. Um, so I wanted to dive straight in and talk, first of all, about headaches. Um, so clearly this is a very common symptom following a concussion, um, but it can also be very non-specific. Um, so I guess my first question to you, Sam, is what aspects of your history would lead you to lean towards a diagnosis of concussion when it comes to headaches? Um, so yeah, you're totally right. Headache is probably the symptom that causes us um, the most grief in terms of trying to decide uh, whether it's relevant to, to the concussion uh, story. And that's, of course, because it is probably the most nonspecific symptom that, that we might find um, uh, in concussion. Um, I suppose there are two factors to, to uh, consider. One is whether headache is part of a wider symptom history. And I suppose in, in, in many ways, if there's lots of other symptoms, then it's less relevant, the headache's less relevant to our decision making, because we have lots of other things to, to rely on to make our decisions. So if it's the, the sole symptom, um, then we need to try really hard to properly explore that symptom. And that's the same with any other symptom, of course, but with headache in particular, because there are so many potential causes, really exploring its causes is the most important. By far the most common um, thing that people describe when you really ask them to describe what, what they're feeling is is pain at the point of impact. Um, and actually, I would encourage asking quite a closed question when it com comes to that. When you say headache, what do you mean by that? Is it an all over type headache or is it pain where, where you were hit? And obviously, we need to be careful not to put words in people's mouths. But generally, these are children we're dealing with and we do need a bit of encouragement about to try and um, uh, differentiate what, what they mean. Um, so uh, asking that closed question um, in the first instance. Now, if they do say it's an all over headache or it's not pain where they hit, for example, we quite commonly see people say, oh, well, I had pain originally where I was hit, but then perhaps the pain started to emerge in other places of the head. Now, to be honest, historically, probably I would have at that point thought, well, actually, yeah, this has become a global headache and therefore we're going down the route of concussion. Um, but with, with time and experience, um, I'm probably starting to be uh, less rigid uh, with that. Um, and I suppose the way I've started to think about it is, uh, well, how many other things can cause people to have headaches when we're hitting the head that are perfectly reasonable causes? We're not making excuses for symptoms, but, but reasonable why are we jumping to concussion being the route in the absence of any other signs or symptoms of, of concern? Um, and there are loads of things when we hit our head that can potentially cause headaches. So the most obvious is um, bruising to the muscles that, in the scalp. So we've taken a, a direct blow to the head, that's caused the initial pain around where it is, but that then can cause muscle spasm of those muscles that can cause headaches 
elsewhere around the head. Then, of course, we're often dealing with a whiplash injury. So are the neck muscles upset and is that causing tension type headaches um, around the head? So is the headache associated with some neck, neck pain um, or, or stiffness? Um, and so I think when you really explore the symptoms, you can start to reassure yourself that perhaps this isn't truly the brain alone causing causing um, the injury. And um, I suppose the more and more I've I've thought about it, you think, well, actually, what's the what's the pathophysiology of a headache from the brain side of things? Well, actually, um, you know, the, the brain causing that 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 symptom is usually a sort of migraineous type type symptom rather than a quite a vague low level headache um so again if it's if it's reasonably low level if it's quite vague if it's sort of a bit all over hard to describe that adds reassurance now the reality of all of this is it comes down to the clinical judgment at the end of the day and i suppose my the biggest thing that, that we have discussed in some of our communications out, out to, to our, uh, our colleagues is um that if headache is the sole symptom then then just you can perhaps have more confidence that it's that it's less likely to be concussion. We'll never be able to prove it, um, but we can have perhaps have more more confidence. And I feel that as long as that is well documented and that discussion is had with the patient, that it'd be possible to be to be certain. Um, but if that is the sole symptom, then I think it is reasonable to look at clearing a player to 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 return to to sport with the appropriate safety netting, and that should always be to return to exercise and training in advance of going straight into a match. But with appropriate safety netting, I feel that that's appropriate. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that's, um, I think that the time at which you assess the the player is, is important as well in this situation as well, isn't it? So I think if, you know, clearly if you're assessing them very, very early, you know, it, it's sometimes slightly difficult to see, obviously you haven't got that kind of resolution of the headache and the absence of other symptoms, which can, which can add to the reassurance as well. But um, yeah, I think that's very interesting. I think talking about that historically, how we would say, well, if it's a if it's a headache rather than a point of impact pain, then that's a concussion. And I guess we've perhaps moved away a little bit from that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the second most commonly reported symptom, as you know, in concussion is dizziness. Um, and I know dizziness causes all of us a little bit of angst from time to time. Um, is it as simple as saying that if a patient reports feeling dizzy, that's an automatic diagnosis of concussion? Uh, no, but it's probably less clear cut than than headache, or more more difficult than headache. So, I think the first thing is is what I've learned over the last couple of years is that what I believe dizziness means. Certainly, kids seem to have a very broad uh, meaning of dizziness, and I suppose. What we should say, perhaps I should have said to, to start with, it's important we all keep in mind that very often these referrals have come from the school medical teams or, or perhaps non-medics at all, um, but but often from the school medical teams, from the school nurses, there's been a quite a black and white assessment with not a huge amount of, of clinical judgment applied. And what very commonly happens is the kids are almost handed a list of symptoms and asked to tick yeah, yes or no. Um, and those symptoms aren't necessarily explored. So while obviously it's important that we acknowledge that, that someone's referred with those symptoms and we should look for those symptoms and the symptom logs on, on the system, um, it's not always black black and white. And dizziness is probably the biggest one of that where they've ticked a box and said, I'm dizzy. 
and in our heads we think they've felt off balance or lightheaded or whatever it might be but actually you ask them to explain it and either they just can't explain how they felt that just there was a very vague feeling or it didn't feel quite right um or it's actually not something concerning at all so they felt a bit they felt shocked they felt stunned they felt oh gosh some, some, something's happened and particularly the younger kids that, that's the case so the big thing for me with with dizziness is really trying to explore what, what they mean by it and again i will tend i tend to first ask open but often get this sort of vague response and we'll say you know was it that you felt off balance was it that you felt lightheaded and actually a significant amount of time if they felt very vague with their initial description then often they'll say no i didn't feel like that at all i just felt a bit I don't know, just I hadn't expected to be hit and I felt a bit sort of, oh, that was a bit of a shock type, type feeling, which is obviously then then re- reassuring to, to the picture. Um, so, yes, diz- again, if dizziness is the only symptom, um, then exploring that and really trying to f- work out what, what they mean. Um, and if it is the only symptom and it is all very vague and it's very, you know, the other thing is the short-lived na- nature of it, um, while we all know that the longevity of symptoms isn't only relevant to 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 the diagnosis i think dizziness in particular um if it's extremely short-lived if it's you know i stood up and felt a bit a, a bit lightheaded for a moment you know is is that enough for us to to jump down the route of concussion probably my feeling is no it's not as long as we're appropriately safety netting yeah and i think that that leads me actually on to another question i wanted to ask you which was actually about symptom reporting because often when we speak to these children in particular they report kind of vastly different symptoms um from what they previously told the school nurses as you just referred to um I, I, you know I, i'd written it's not uncommon to see an entry from a medical center that says child reports dizziness and fatigue so when we come to make our history um is it still reasonable to clear an injury based on what we've been told or does the fact that they've reported these symptoms at the time of injury need to carry more diagnostic weight given the fact that they assess them sooner sort of closer to the time of the injury yeah I think it's it's tricky isn't it and um it, we certainly shouldn't dismiss what's already been documented um but we should allow the opportunity for further discussion around those symptoms because often that that hasn't happened in the same way um it's right that we're ner- we, we should be nervous about people changing their stories because they've now learned of the consequences and as we all know, some of that comes down to gut feeling during a consultation about whether some of that might might be going on. Uh, I tend to be very open with with people and say, look, I'm actually I'm fully reliant on your honesty in these situations and give them a bit of a mm-hmm. bit of a spiel about why why it's important. And even if just so, I can reassure myself that it's sort of on on them a bit that I've I've tried my best to get the right information about them. Um, I think if there isn't if they're unable to provide a good explanation from what they of what they meant by those symptoms, then we need to stick with the original symptoms. But if they're able to say, oh, you know, so I would often say, well, you know, you take, you take your history and you say, well, the nurse said that you felt dizzy at the time. And sometimes you get them saying, well, I didn't say that. Well, <laughs> then you're not quite sure what to do because you're, sort of, you know, it's possible that it was just misdocumented or it's been misunderstood. Um, but often, you know, when you explore that symptom, a bit like what we just discussed, it's, there's actually a reasonable explanation for it. And what's happened is they've ticked a box that's, has, has said dizzy. Um, yeah, so can can be tricky situations. If 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 there are, if the we do try and encourage schools to to write as much history or the referrer to write as much history as possible, as we all know, that doesn't always happen. But so, if there's a very clear history that is in keeping with cushion, then it, it, it yeah, it, 
I'd be very careful about clearing it. Um, and if you have those concerns, then you know, do always feel free to get in touch with with um, with one of us, me, Michael, Liz, and we can you know, get in touch with the school and try and clarify those situations. Um, but if 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 it seems like a reasonable um, story is given, the other thing to to take into account in those actually tiredness is is probably a, a very good example of that. Is you know they, again if you're asked if you ask a particularly young kid to do a tick box, how are you feeling? They don't always associate those questions with you know, we know we're being asked how do we feel after it because of this injury, but mm. kids often don't quite quite get that. Do you feel tired? Yes. And actually, they're tired because they've just come off a rugby pitch, or yeah. that they didn't sleep well last night. Or they were asleep over the night before. Um, and again, we've had that problem recently, haven't we? We've, we've communicated in the weekly updates the importance of sometimes having that uh, collaborative history from a parent, because the kid perhaps doesn't fully understand the the questions being asked, but the parent might say, "Oh yeah, but they did. They were asleep over last night, and they were, you know, didn't get to bed till four a.m. And suddenly that changed the story slightly." Um, as ever, we have to accept that all of this is completely imperfect and we're applying our, our judgment, uh, but trying to put all those pieces together and come up with the safest route forward um, is is our job ultimately. And while the easy route would always be to, to be to call everything a concussion, that's obviously not the route we should be going. We, should, we need to apply some judgment to, to these cases. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, now, the last sort of specific symptom I wanted to ask you about was um, feeling dazed um, after a head injury. I mean, do you have any tips about how to further explore that particular symptom? It's something that we hear a lot. Um, and again, you know, it's it's got sort of, I, I suppose, vastly different understandings of what that refers to. But how do you approach that? Yeah, I mean, I sound like a broken record, really, don't I? It's, it's again, it's the key of exploring it. And, and again, the people's different thoughts about what the word dazed means. Um, so I will tend to probably say two things, depending on depending on the age age of the kid. Um, you know, I also say, you know, was it like, whoa, what's going on? You know, I just you feel sort of out of it and not, not quite with it in the initial, initial stages. Um, probably dazed is probably something that people are better at at, at more of a sign than a symptom sometimes mm-hmm. you know it's, it's the parent or, or the school so they seem dazed and those of us that do pitch side medicine see that don't we you know that you immediately go well this person's just not quite right whereas how you know what do you feel when you feel dazed what's the symptom um i tend to ask about you know, is just not not feeling quite yourself feeling a bit detached um feeling every, like everything slowed down like you can't process thing things very well um, but yeah, it's it is a more a more tricky one um, in terms of when it's it's not infrequently reported as dazed, but actually they're probably shocked rather than dazed. Mm. Um, again, the younger kids, which you know, as we all know, the younger they get, the harder the harder it is. Um, yeah, you know, incidents happen that has been unexpected, and they're shocked by that incident and upset by that incident, not necessarily dazed. Um, but tricky and, and actually you know it's probably one of the symptoms that is less non-specific right if you, if you actually narrow down what the what you really mean by it being truly dazed almost certainly is a sign of a brain a brain issue going on and yet it's actually probably it is quite difficult to work out whether they truly mean that they're dazed or whether they're just shocked or upset or whatever, whatever it might might be yeah okay um 
so Sam, we've also had, uh, you'll know this as well, we've had several cases recently where children have um, reported symptoms suggestive of a concussion in the days following a sporting match. But when we sort of dig down and ask them what happened on further questioning, they don't have actually any recollection of an injury or a head impact during the game. Are these likely to be concussions? I mean, I know there's the, the whole concept of delayed onset of symptoms, but what's your impression of that? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I suppose, first of all, delayed onset of symptoms. Um, so my my feeling, um, based on the experience of doing pitch side and, and follow up, is that actually true delayed onset symptoms is quite unusual. I think what we far more commonly see is someone where there, there actually are clear signs or symptoms of the initial injury that, that go away quickly and then come back, you know, after 24, 48 hours or whatever it might might, might be, which reflects the importance of removing people from play based on their initial symptoms. Um, I don't I don't think there are that many where they have an incident and then feel completely fine until suddenly on day, at 48 hours start to feel unwell. So that's the first thing to say on that um, and why we follow the, the history pathway that we do in terms of how did you feel at the time, five minutes later, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what we are seeing more of, um, which is, you know, is a reflection of the increasing concern at schools and clubs is possibly an over, um, I can't think of the right words, seeking a head injury event where, that, you know, why have we decided this is a head injury event? So <clears throat> we not infrequently see that someone pitches up to a school medical centre with a headache, feeling a bit sick, feeling generally not quite themselves. Um, and almost always when it's a headache, actually, because that is what seems to flag it up with the, with the, with the medical centres. And, you know, have you hit your head at any, any point? To which the kid will respond, well, I played rugby two days ago. It's possible I hit my head, but I don't remember hitting my head. And that that prompts this referral pathway. Now, if we removed that potential head injury event, which is very vague and very unknown, then all of us would be thinking, well, it could be a virus. It could be anything, right? It could be loads mm-hmm. and loads of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I certainly think there should be caution when there's no clear head injury event. Now, you could say, well... They might not remember it because they've had a clear head injury event and they're concussed. Um, and this, again, comes down to us having to make those those judgment calls. But um, generally, you will find, unless there's been a loss of consciousness and there's a clear, there is clear memory loss, in which case no one's, we're not in these vague situations, everyone, it's all very clear cut. You will generally find that people remember the incident that has caused them to not feel right. You know, they will say, you know, almost always, I was in the ruck. And I got a knee to the head. I was charging down the down the wing playing hockey, and I got a clattering from the side, and I bashed my head on the floor. It's quite unusual for people to say to not to not link their symptoms with with their head in, head injury. Sometimes we have to tease it out a bit. So um, so yes, if there's been no clear head injury event, I saw someone this morning exactly this: the, uh, an older kid who'd been at a party and has had some symptoms since, but there's been no head injury event. Now there's been alcohol involved. You know, and it's yeah, it's it's very easy to label this concussion, but there could be. Are we almost doing a just disservice by labeling a concussion because there could be ninety nine other things that are causing this, and we're ignoring them because of it? So, um, yeah, I would I would suggest that if there's been no clear head injury event, then exploring other causes, and if we think that head injury is less likely compared to those other causes, in effect, discharging back to the care of the school and sending them to seek seek medical advice from from GP or whatever. whatever thing is, is is probably sensible 
yeah, I think I, I agree with that. I think it's likely to be that sort of unintended consequence of, of heightened awareness around concussion. And obviously it's good that, that, you know, school nurses are thinking about it, but it's, uh, it can go the other way where it begins to be a label for, for any non-specific symptom, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so Sam, final question for you here. Um, I've kept you for, for long enough, but, um, what about situations where we're really not sure as clinicians? So where perhaps there's there's an intercurrent illness, as we discussed, or or really we just have someone who is a very vague uh, historian in what they're describing. I'm, I'm sure we've all found ourselves in these situations. I mean, do we have any other options in terms of approaching situations like this? Um, yes. I mean, look, we've all, all our clinicians have the support of the rest of the clinicians and certainly the support of, of of you and me um, in, in helping that. And I suppose there's, you know, it's hard to put definite rules in, into it, but um, sometimes we shouldn't be afraid of kicking the can down the road a bit, if it's particularly if they've sought our attention too early. So um, we are we are suggesting to organisations now, the schools and clubs we work with, that actually ideally we don't want to be seeing these kids until 48 hours plus after the injury so that we have given things a bit of time to... To, to develop but understandably from their their side they're quite keen to, for people to be seen to seen quickly and decisions to be made but if you're seeing someone you know in the evening after an injury or even the next day and it's all still a bit vague then you've got two routes basically you either very strongly safety net and say it's still very early so if anything changes then then you know clear the injury but you need to make sure you come back and see us if anything changes or you suggest that they have a re-review in 48 hours time um, for that for that decision to be made. So those are the ones where you know just you, th- you feel it needs more time um, to develop. Now, there sh- there sh- to be honest, there shouldn't be many occasions where that's that's the case. Uh, usually, we are able to to make those decisions. The the sort of the ongoing the 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 illness in the background, the viral illness that's going on, wherever it might be, is potentially a bit trickier because you can never really be sure whether which bits of the symptoms were contributing to, to, to what. Um, but again, I think do think it is reasonable to say, well, actually, let's, let's you know, let, let, let you get over that and then see how you feel once once that illness is done. Now, the reality is then you're, you're down the line and they may have recovered from their concussion, whatever. So again, it's it's down to clinical judgment. But I would say if you, if you have, really have a case where you're just really not certain about the decision, then probably it's not concussion for a start because we're all, you know, naturally would be erring on the side of caution. So if you're really unable to make the decision, then it's probably more towards not concussion than concussion. Um, but that is something that that um, me, me or, or, or Mike uh, would be happy to see in, in, in one of our clinics for, for a second opinion. Um, similarly, I know it wasn't your question, Mike, but sort of links because often these cases are a bit, a, a bit linked. You know, if there's... If we feel it, it was the other way, if we do feel it's concussion, but there's a lot of um, uh, a lot of pushback from from parents um, about that. Um, again, we, you know, our explanation and stuff should sort all that, and it's a relatively small percentage of cases compared to the number we see. But yeah, avoiding getting yourself drawn into backs and forth, backs and forth, and saying, actually, I think the, the first point of call in those situations is actually telling them. Yeah, my decision is is this should be treated as, as a concussion, um, and advising them to speak to their school 
about that because very often the school will actually say no look the doctor said that that's the way it is and we don't need to get further involved um, and if the school has concerns about it they will get in touch with us so actually if, if you really think that, that you know, there's lots of pushback from the parents direct them to the school of the first first instance who often sort it without us needing to sorry i appreciate i've gone off a bit of a tangent there mike no but i think useful useful point to make as you said it's a a, a, a minority of cases but um you know, I think we've all had the the situations where there's been a bit of pushback from parents. So it's useful to know kind of how to address that when it's all becoming a little bit, um, you know, potentially heated at times. Um, Sam, thank you so much uh, for talking through all of that. And I hope that's been useful. Um, I mean, I think, as you will all know, from from our clinical work and from talking about this today, that there are um, there are elements of this that are very, very difficult, um, particularly with those kind of vague symptoms. So hopefully this has been useful. Um, and uh, if it has, um, I may well be able to persuade Sam to uh, return to the podcasting world at a later date. Um, but uh, good luck with everything. And I hope that has been helpful. Sam, thank you very much. Thanks, Mike.